hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Well, I feel like I've come home. I just got out of Kentucky alive. Amen. Pastor Kevin West, many years ago, shared with me what God was doing in Louisa, Kentucky. I couldn't find Louisa, never heard Louisa. So uh, he talked about maybe me opening some doors. He's opened some doors for me. So we're excited to be here this morning. This is healthy, this is wonderful, and this facility is excellent. It's good right now, but other stuff's still coming. Amen. Beautiful area. Just great spirit, great vision, uh, great worship as we always expect in this house. And we thank uh, Pastor Kevin and Lisa and Ronnie and the entire leadership team for persevering. And no matter what you do in God, there's always a voice that says you can never do it. That's a confirmation you can. Because the enemy just has got to oppose the things of God. So you go through trials and tests, and you've passed them. You come out. This is excellent. This is the first church I've been to that has water in a black container. This is a first for me. I'm going to try to adjust. And, of course, this is a new generation pulpit, right? Amen. And uh, I'm glad Brother said this morning that every generation counts in the generational revelation and generational transfer of kingdom um, ministry and enterprise. So uh, it's serious as a blessing to be here today. I want to just uh, say something. I'm at home, so I'm going to say something before I maybe say something. Uh, how many of you are old enough to remember years ago, uh, Darlene Sheck wrote the song, Shout to the Lord. Okay, five people, okay. But anyway, it was a famous song, and of course, she's from Hillsong, and uh, Pastor Brian Houston, et cetera. And uh, it became what we call a landmark song. I mean, there are songs and there are songs, and there are good songs, good hymns, good choruses, all that. But there are certain songs that come along that just really break open things. And uh, it's interesting, and I can't give you names because I don't drop names in public, but I, I could give you names, but I won't. Uh, several months ago, however long that's been, uh, Brian Houston called in uh, an apostle, and I uh, won't give you the name, and it wasn't me, so hello. But I did preach, by the way, for Brian's daddy, Frank, when he started the church, moved from New Zealand to Australia. So I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to have been around, okay? But anyway, so uh, this apostle was invited in by Pastor Brian to kind of evaluate the church. And uh, among the things he counseled the church to do was, he said, can I just say this to you? There, there's a fresh move coming um, in the worship. You are excellent musicians, awesome instrumentalists, vocalists, and all that. But you've got to give us another song that's like a, a Darlene Sheck shout to the Lord song, something that really captures us, and something that is very vertical from us to God, not just singing about the Lord, but singing to the Lord. And so you know where I'm going, don't you? What a beautiful name it is was written on the counsel of that, that apostle. I, I'm just loving the way the body of Christ operates and functions if I gave the guy's name, you might not have heard of him. You, you had heard of the guy that told me about it, but I won't go there either. So I'm prophesying today 
uh, you know, to you guys, Steph and your team, uh, that out of this house will come landmark songs. Out of this house will come songs that will describe what the Lord's doing today, but by not just testimonial, but by focusing so upon Jesus, come on, off and finish of our faith, they'll be released not only here, but globally. It happens today, globally, if technology, you all guys know this. So I'm excited. I mean, I just know I like you guys. I just feel like God's saying that to encourage you and to commend you. So here we go. I'm waiting on those city-changing, nation-changing, world-changing songs to come. We, we love him today. We worship him. But, boy, something happens when we focus on Jesus. Amen? And this morning, that's kind of where I am going. Before I get there, just uh, want to say this for sake of history. Uh, with me today, of course, is uh, Tim White. Uh, some of you know Tim. He lives in Huntington. He's, uh, he's a Thundering Herd fan to beat Cincinnati. Come on. And uh, yeah. Hey, listen, I keep up on stuff, and uh, I got a phone. Anyway, but anyway, uh, yeah. And oh, my phone even tells time. But, but anyway, I just appreciate Tim so much. He was my children's pastor at Church of the King in Dallas, Texas, in another lifetime. And while he was a children's pastor, did an awesome job. Uh, my prayer pastor was Dutch Sheets. So uh, we all kind of go back a long way. And Tim, it's great to see you. Appreciate you coming out today and being with us. He's a dear friend and uh, someone we appreciate the Lord putting into our lives. Okay, this morning, open your Bibles wherever you want to. Uh, I'm just going to preach the whole thing. I've got about 30 minutes. But anyway, uh, I'm going to go to Matthew 4, and uh, you can turn if you want to. I'm just going to talk because of time and just jump in this morning. So, Father, help me today. Thank you for uh, what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in this city of Huntington and in the nations in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. This morning, if you want a title, and sometimes they do, my title is uh, Recovering Apostolic Momentum. I don't know what that means. It just sounded good. And uh, so I'm going to see if I can figure it out before the message is over. Uh, amen. Reco everybody say recovery. How many know we're, we're recovering in Texas from Harvey? in Florida from Irma. We're, we're in a season of recovery. Well, the church is. We're recovering who we really are as sons of God. Father speaking at Jesus' baptism. We're recovering our mission. Many people love the Lord, but they've kind of lost their mission. They're not involved in His mission. That includes you and me fulfilling it. So, so today, uh, if I can just begin, I want to just jump in and, and give you a testimony, and then I'll get to the Word. In 1973, I was alive back then, I was with about 10,000 senior high, college-age young people at an outdoor Jesus festival on a large Mennonite farm. They'd taken an 18-wheeler truck, and they made a platform out of it. It was pretty awesome. And for just about an entire week, we had these awesome services outdoor back in the day when there was what they called, get this, a Jesus movement. Thank you. Getting back to the core of what it is. Getting back to reality, the king of the kingdom. 
And so in this Jesus festival, by the way, you get there by driving on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. And in those days, we didn't all have air conditioning in our cars. That's how long ago that was. And you had to roll the window down the summer to kind of survive the drive. But when you did that, you were automatically hit with a powerful aroma from pig farms. That's all I can say right now. So I, I'm glad for AC for a lot of reasons, keep out the odors and keep in the cool air. But Pennsylvania is a great place. Uh, people love God up there. Amen, all that. But what we did, we realized that this movement had come out in the 70s of a move in America in the radical 60s where the nation went left, it took a left turn. In other words, it didn't take a right turn. And so at Kent State, Berkeley, other places, these students march in the office of the president. And uh, you know the story now, and about four decades later, now these students are teaching in those universities and teaching Marxism. But, but here's my point. That was the move of darkness. But on the heels of that, God had a move. Hallelujah. On the heels of the 60s came the 70s. And what was that Jesus movement made of? Of several components. Number one, it was made up, now this is going to shock you, of hippies on the West Coast getting baptized in the Pacific Ocean. We're talking flyer children here. We're talking tree huggers. Thank you. And there's just, I remember, come on, Chuck Smith, sometimes hallelujah, sometimes praise the Lord. I shouldn't be saying I got to charge extra for that. But, but anyway, I, 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 mean, I mean, those Jesus movement days, they were powerful. And then number two out of that movement, there came all these young people that got the teen challenge, got delivered from drugs. Boy, think about that. Tim prayed that thing this morning about the drug thing. Now, now if you, it's almost like we kind of come full circle. And then thirdly, there are all these young people that were visiting house groups and uh, get this, coffee houses? In the charismatic outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon all kind of folk, even folk that go to churches that didn't want that. Thank you. Holy Spirit just said, I'll move there. I, I can pull this off. Amen. Uh, he pulled off in a bio life. You don't know my background. That's too, too long a story and too tough to tell. Uh, but, but what I'm saying is all these components made up the Jesus movement. Now, back to that quick meeting in August of 73. I remember that year, I'd spoken some of those before, but that year they said to me, would you be in charge of water baptism? I said, well, I'm here to help what I, would, I can do. So, after they got up on the last morning and made a very low-key appeal, I mean low-key, they said, now, if you've met the Lord here this week and uh, made Him Lord of your life, uh, we're going to baptize this afternoon, but we recommend that you go back home, give your testimony where you're from. Let a local pastor, priest, or coffee house leader baptize you. So, with that low-key appeal, 1,500 young people want to be baptized. And I was in charge. I had to get me some help. How about 30 pastors to help me baptize these guys? Now, here comes the miracle. We're moving from the platform area down to the farm pond about a half a mile march. And I had this carnal thought. I hope you don't think I'm awful, but I have carnal thoughts even in church. 
Help me, Jesus. And here's my carnal thought. I said, I wonder if these young people just want to cool off on a hot, muggy August day. We call them dog days in West Virginia. If you're in West Virginia, you've got to survive dog days. Amen. August, okay? Well, here the Lord dealt with my carnal thought in a hurry because when we marched down to that farm pond, not one person said one word. It was like they were going to a funeral. Well, they were. It was like a funeral dirge. And when they got out and got baptized, without time to teach them thoroughly or doctrinalize them or give them candies course, which they would need, we didn't have time to do all that. I would say nine out of 10 of those young people, high school age, uh, college age, came up out of the water, spewing and sputtering in languages they did not know. I'll never forget that. Now you say, well, Brother Jim, you're living in the past. No, I'm not. I'm rehearsing the glories of God's moves in the past. Come on. You and I got to do that because you know in history, the institutional, organized, religious structures oppose the moves of God in history. You're sitting here today on the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation in Germany where Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the door at Wittenberg. What were those? 95 theses, all that was wrong inside that door that needed changing reformation in the church. The Lord's got to transform society and culture through a church that's been reformed, reshaped, rediscovered what is true, authentic Christianity, New Testament style focused on Jesus himself. So every move of God's opposed. If it's a charismatic move, opposition. If it's in England where Wesley came forth, it's from the Anglicans. Are you hearing this? Every move gets some opposition. But I'm telling you right now, we're going to get back and understand something that may just revolutionize everything. And here's a simple statement. The early church was a Jesus movement that began with Jesus. Can you handle that? Thank you. All right. I'm ready to give you three things this morning because that's all I got time for. I'm in no rush, but... Uh, my friend Marty Gaber is preaching in Louisa, Kentucky. So is my friend Eric Reeder this morning. And I'm up here, but I got to go back to my home state. They're taking care of the McCoys. I'm taking care of the Hatfields right here. <laughs> Three things. I'll just give you a scripture. You can go home and read them. Matthew 4, toward the end of the chapter, Jesus comes down to the Sea of Galilee and uh, bumps on the four fishermen, two sets of brothers, uh, Simon, of course, called Peter later, and Andrew, and James, and John. Jesus comes down, and I'm just going to share this morning quickly with you the DNA of a genuine Jesus movement, or we'll call it subtitled, The Methodology of Jesus, because I'm going to know Jesus has a way of getting things done that needs to be done. He's the way. He's got a better way. So number one, here's the first thing in the DNA of a Jesus movement it's when Jesus says, follow me. Well, that's amazing. He's not met these guys yet. And here's the shocker. It says, immediately they followed him. 
They didn't consult, have a seminar on what maybe I ought to do or go home, talk to anybody. They just immediately, they're drawn to this man they don't even know. He just says, follow me. He says, I will make you to be fishers of men. Wow. I looked up the word. I did my homework. The word there for men is not male gender. It's the word mankind. It's from anth it's anthropos, anthropology, if you guys that went to college and took all those ologies. <laughs> Amen? He's going to make them fishers of men and of women. Well, you say, well, if that's true, why did Jesus choose 12 men and no ladies were in the group? Well, the ladies weren't in the group, but they were financing the thing. And your gift will make room for you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. You say, well, why did Jesus call 12 men? Because he had to call 12 men to fulfill old covenant Israel based on the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribes of Israel. He had to fulfill the old Israel to build a new Israel. Thank you. That's why he said in Matthew 19, 28 to his disciples, you've been with me in the regeneration or my kingdom and you'll see the Son of Man sit on his glorious throne and you will sit on 12 thrones and judge the 12 tribes of Israel. Judge doesn't mean condemn. It means to evaluate and draw from the strength of what was, but move into what God's saying, because if you haven't heard yet, we're in a new covenant. Thank you. Hallelujah. The old covenant's not bad. It's just preparatory. It's a schoolmaster. It's for a people of God in their immaturity. The new is for God's people in their maturity. So here you've got Jesus and calling and saying to these guys, I'll make you fishers of mankind. So the women financed the ministry. At Holy Ghost time fell at Pentecost. The women received as well. New Testament church had lady leaders like Priscilla, Aquila's wife. But in Scripture, she's named first. Deal with that. Another couple, Andronicus and Junia. Junia is a woman apostle. Andronicus, they're, they're a couple. Come on, uh, the translators got so messed up here, they changed the ending in the Greek and they changed it to Junius. Andronicus did not marry a man. This is settled out right now. He married a woman named Junia and she is an apostle. Oh, it's getting quiet in here. The whole deal, Jesus is restoring the call upon men and women given before the first Adam's fall when he spoke to them, said to them, be fruitful, multiply, that's covenant, Fill the earth, come on, God's going to fill the earth with his glory. And thirdly, under my authority, I'm paraphrasing, Hodges paraphrase, subdue, rule under my authority and extend my kingdom from the garden to the globe. Fishers of men. My good friend Dennis Peacock says the church needs to learn to speak fish. <laughs> you didn't get that one. Uh, let me try again. The church needs to learn to speak Babylonian, but don't think like a Babylonian. To communicate on the street. Come on, in the coffee house. By the way, I'm so glad that the previous move had a coffee house thing, and now today we're drinking that coffee. Listen, coffee helps the anointing. 
Amen. Is that, a, is that a deep revelation right there? It really helps you know it. I don't know about you, but anyway, I had mine this morning. I had my little Starbucks thing in a town that had no Starbucks. I sipping the bottle at that gas station, put my ice in there, driving down the road, listening to uh, Hillsong Music. Oh, thank you. And drinking my coffee. I say they do go together. They do go together. They do go together. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So here we are. Now, one more thing, and then I'm going to shift. Everybody say, follow me. Now, this is not new to some of you guys because I shared this last time I was here. I keep notes where I've been so I don't repeat myself, but this just fits in. In that culture, follow me was what Rabbi said to young boys at age six whose families, one of their boys trained up under a rabbi, kind of like a quipping school, teach them the Word of God. And to qualify for that call, follow me, the young boy at six had to have memorized the book of Leviticus. I'm thinking, how about Obadiah, one chapter? <laughs> Leviticus is kind of hard, okay? But you know, young minds can do it, amen? So, here is the point. Here's the point I'm trying to make. Peter and Andrew, James and John never heard follow me. You know why? They evidently didn't qualify at age six. They didn't have Leviticus memorized. So here they are adult men and they hear follow me thinking, oh my. I don't know what they thought because they did respond quickly, but it's like, oh, oh, we didn't hear that when we maybe could have earlier. But now we hear it. <laughs> oh, help me. God can redeem our time. Not just our life. Thank you. And here are these guys who are ready. Rabbis got their disciples from young boys. Jesus got his disciples from grown men. Some of them rather young, but grown men. And furthermore, Jesus didn't get his disciples out of rabbinical schools. He got them out of the marketplace where men had a real job. Fishermen, carpenters, shepherds. There's a message there I don't have time to develop. So can you say, follow me? This is simple, but I believe that the Lord somehow comes to you and to me and begins to sort of reinforce the initial, follow me, he said to us, follow me. Yeah, I'll tell you what, if we get distracted and focus on anything else but Jesus, I think Holy Ghost probably says, follow him, amen. Got to move on before I do, I can't resist this. I know that Jesus had several he could have chosen, to get his 12. But he knew who to pick because he went to the mountain to pray and the Father told him, pick these 12. Then that explains it because Jesus said in John 6, 44, he said, no one can come to me but that the Father draw him. Wow. Yeah. The Father told Jesus who to select then the Father drew them to Jesus. How many know that Jesus is always doing everything connected to his Father's will? 
the example he is as the model son. Hallelujah. Follow me. Number two, this is Matthew eleven twenty eight. You can look it up later. Jesus said, learn of me. Of course, that's the disciple word, isn't it? Disciples are learners. And in case you don't know it, it's a lifelong process. I'm 78 years of age, and I can't wait to see what I'll be when I grow up. Still growing, I hope. I better be. If I don't, God will deal with me, and so will Gene. That's my spouse of 54 years. We've been married 54 years, and our testimony is, in marriage, the first 50 years are the toughest. <laughs> After that, it smooths out. Amen. It really does. Yeah. You, you learn a few things in 54 years. You learn that the husbands have the last word. Yes, dear. Okay. Excuse me. All right. Okay. Wisdom. Wisdom is going to be okay with that one. All right. So, here we are. We're almost lost in place. So, so here comes Jesus. And I saying, learn from me, but to learn from him also has an analogy of the culture of that day in rabbinical maturation of young boys, because from age six to age 12, now the young boy under a rabbi has to have memorized the other four books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So by the time he's 12, he's got all the books of Moses memorized. Now, how many recall Jesus at age 12 in the temple? Asking questions, stumping the smartest dudes and rabbis of the day. That's amazing. And then, of course, the track started at age 6, entered at age 30. Where at age 30, the young man now is going to be ushered into his own rabbinical ministry through baptism. And of course, how many know that Jesus, after 18 years of silence from age 12 to age 30, is going to step into Jordan, as Pastor said this morning, and gave us great understanding about. And so here's the whole deal. The, the pattern is there in the culture, but it's not enmeshed in it. It's informed by that culture religious system, but it's not from it. Thank you. And so Jesus, by the way, is criticized in John 7 going to the temple later uh, after age 12, thank you, after he starts the ministry at age 30. He goes there and teaches on one of the feasts, and, and the Jews are astonished, and they say, how has this man become learned? He's never been educated. To be educated was to be educated in the culture of that day in rabbinical school. Jesus never went to rabbi school. Thank you. He heard the rabbi Nazareth, his hometown. He got the word of God from stepfather Joseph, who was faithful. But I'm trying to bring forth this idea because here's the whole key. He says, take my yoke upon you. The disciples of a rabbi took upon them at age 30 at their inauguration into their rabbinical ministry that took on them a yoke, which was the interpretation their rabbi had taught them of the Word of God. 
Now, I'm saying that to say this. I read widely, you read widely, but I got news for you, honey. You and I need to strive, and thanks for that school of ministry, brother. You guys go for it a thousand percent because I believe somehow the Holy Ghost will grace you and me to know not just our doctrinal interpretation of Scripture from some backgrounds uh, of what Calvin said or Wesley said or somebody else said. I believe we can actually push in by Holy Ghost to learn the interpretation of Scripture that Jesus teaches. Take my yoke upon you. How many believes he ought to understand the Word because he is the Word? He's the Logos himself. He speaks the Raymond prophetic Word and he knows the Grafe Scriptures like nobody I know because all the Scriptures are about him. If you want to witness for Christ, tell the story of Jesus. Pick any book. Put along with your testimony. It's powerful. Learn of me. Amen. Hallelujah. By the way, I got to move on before I do, though, quickly. On occasion, back to that rabbinical system for a moment, there would be an outstanding young man come forth in a generation who would not only honor his rabbi by teaching what the rabbi taught him, but he could teach his own interpretation. Wow. That's amazing. And, and the way he was identified, you're going to love this, through two witnesses. Two reliable witnesses that knew that young man. So Jesus' baptism, we got two witnesses, don't we? John the baptizer called Jesus lamb. God the Father called him son. See, that, that's my heart. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to press in to know Jesus' interpretation of the Scripture. He said, they speak of me. He said, search the Scriptures, but you come to me because they'll point to me to receive eternal life. Amen. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Religious yokes are oppressive. They're heavy. Come on. Jesus' yoke is easy. His burden is light. The kingdom is not just righteousness. It's peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Thank you. Let's have some fun on the journey, folks. It's okay. Someone said the kingdom of God is a party. Yeah, it's the right kind of party. Okay. You pray for me, I'll keep on learning. I'm taking a lot of vitamins to help my mind, you know, but y'all pray for me. Here's the last one, number three. This, I can't believe I got three points. This is scary. I haven't had three points in 20 years. <laughs> I am getting old. Okay. Everybody say, follow me. Follow me. Everybody say, learn of me. And everybody say, go for me. Now, this is John 20. You know your Bibles, but you can read them later. Verses 19 and following. After Jesus comes forth from the tomb, he shows up back in the room probably where they had the Last Supper, the covenant meal, fulfilling Passover. And of course, it's a great story because Jesus comes in the door without coming through the door. <laughs> I mean, the resurrected body, and of course, old people love to think about that. Resurrected body. I just want to say it right now. Amen. I mean, I can still hit the three-pointer, but there's no way I can take you one-on-one. -on -one. I'm sorry. I played against Jerry West in high school. He got 30. I got six. Anyway, 
I can steal it to three-pointer. Game a horse will do. Uh, somebody put up a basketball next time I come out in the parking lot so we can shoot, shoot a game of horse. Uh, that was not in my notes. I just totally got distracted. But, but here's what's going on. Jesus came in the room without coming through the door, though he came through the door because the resurrected body was both tangible and intangible. Here's the good news. Resurrected body can be intangible, go through doors. It's tangible enough, however, to eat. This is shock. To eat. Now, we're not told what they ate on resurrection night, but we are told in the next chapter what they ate on the shore of the Sea of Galilee over there on the western side, southwestern side, a place called Tiberius, named after a Roman Caesar that was a wicked dude. But Jesus was cooking breakfast. You know, <laughs> disciples out fishing, they're all fishermen fish. <laughs> And Peter says, I've got to go fishing. Peter still loved Jesus, but he got distracted. Okay, not wrong to fish for fish. Fish are good, good protein, right? Just don't fry them up too much. Have fried green tomatoes along, it'll help get your veggies in. But, but Jesus sees the guys out there fishing unsuccessfully, so they, the whole thing, cast a net over, you know, story, get the net full of fish, they come in. And Jesus says, bring me your fish. So he throws their fish on the fire. He's got his fish on the fire. And uh, come on, that's called a fish fry. So that's, that's scriptural, if you're having those. Uh, but that wasn't the point. The point was, the whole thing started, I'll make you fishers of men. Focus on mankind, not the fish. It's okay to have the fish and provision, but focus on the mission I gave you. But here's what happens, and I got to hurry with this. To me, I think we've missed it. And I think, Pastor Kevin and brothers and sisters, I think I could preach this, at least part of it, in any denominational church. And I will see if, help me try this out. On resurrection night, Jesus breathes on disciples and says, as Father sent me, I send you. Now, this has got to be when those disciples who are living under old covenant to the new started in Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, they on that night are literally born again, regenerated by the breath of the Son of God. Just like in the garden, God breathed into Adam, and he also breathed into Eve because Eve was in Adam. He breathed into them the breath of life. They became living souls if you will, because of the breath of God. Now, in another or near another garden, come on, where Jesus was risen from the dead, he breathes into those disciples and they are becoming new Adams and eventually new Eves. But here's the point. The moment they're born again, the very, and the, the Greek means it strong, receive right now. This is not Pentecost. That comes later. That's when the church is empowered later at Pentecost. But the point is, they're born again. Anybody that loves Jesus ought to be being born again. Thank you, biblically. Well, they're born again, but it's not all. He puts into them not only their, his DNA, he puts into them his sonship. But he does more than that. In the same breath, he commissions them. As Father sent me, I sent, think about that. As Father sent the Son, He's sending you and me. And when Jesus walks in the room, he says, shalom twice. Peace. Shalom, you know that. First time, it's just a cultural greeting. Shalom. How y'all doing? 
Next time it's more than a greeting. It's ascending. And I thought to myself, God help me. I thought to myself, how do you and I find our greatest well-being if not for participating in the mission he called us to do? That's rediscovering apostolic movement, momentum, that the gospel may have mastery in every sphere of life, every place on the planet. Hallelujah. There's something about that sending. I, I do believe, and I go to Acts 2. I, I get there not this morning because everybody knows that here. So I'd have to maybe, you know, be careful if I was preaching to some other church with that. I wouldn't compromise, but I might be extra careful. So let me make a few points. Then I want to pray because I know you guys really are not fasting today. You want to go to lunch. Let me give you a point, if I may. If we don't understand our formation, we will hinder his impartation. Amen. See, this is simple because in the garden, God formed man out of the dust of the earth, formation. Then impartation came through his breath. Even in the incident I quoted here in John 20, Jesus forms these disciples. There was 10 there. Judas had flunked out and Thomas missed the meeting. Don't miss the meeting. Don't miss a meeting. That's not a religious thing because you might miss out on something pretty awesome happening. Okay, don't miss the meeting. And so Jesus, when he breathes into these 10, he is forming them as his church, as his people, as his sons, as his daughters, if you will, as his ecclesia, governing people in the earth with kingdom keys. But he is doing more than that. You, I just said that. He is then at Pentecost imparting them the power to fulfill the mission he gave them at their birth. Do you know that your physical birth is a testimony of your spiritual birth that was released by Father God in heaven who adopted you as a son and daughter in his son Jesus? Do you realize it's true to say you were in the last Adam before you were in the first Adam? So Father called you and me, just humble folks. The early church was made up of extraordinary people. It's not about superstars. Come on. Listen, you know a guy named Ananias? A disciple, the Bible calls him, is the one that prayed for Paul to get his healing back and get filled with the Holy Ghost. Come on. You've got to have the right formation. Are you hearing this? It's Ezekiel's vision. It's the dry bones coming together. That's formation. But we don't have anything going on yet till there's impartation when the four winds are prophesied by the prophet and they come into him. I guess I'm trying to say, I'm trying to close this message. If we don't embrace his formation of the church, we don't receive his impartation. Holy Spirit does not pour wine into nothing. Amen. Puts it in the skin so we don't waste one drop. Yes. Amen. Yes. Shalom, you all. Woo! The shalom goes with the sending. Shalom means nothing broken, nothing missing. It's a common greeting. May you have well being. 
May you be blessed every way. Yeah. You'll go see it go to a whole new level, and so will I, as we move in the mission he's called us to. Amen. Follow me. Learn of me. Go for me. Let's stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I want to just say something this morning as we get ready to worship. I know this house is full of, is full of disciples. I know it of Jesus. And now what's going on, the Lord is enabling disciples to become disciples. Converse can give powerful testimonies. New believers are great evangelists. They got a hot fire testimony. But converts become disciples. Disciples become disciplers. And that's what's going on in this house. And it thrills me. If today anybody's here and you're not a disciple of Jesus, good day to sign up. By the way, you don't have to sign up. That's up to you. But I'll tell you what. If you can get quiet enough to hear him say, follow me, you'll just sign up. I'm still just trying to process this. How did these guys respond so quickly? Jesus didn't wave a wand and drop to see a Galilee. Thank you. Follow me. Is this okay today? Jesus. Movement. People have turned off Christianity. Some have turned off the church. They need to see the real deal Jesus. Amazingly, in you and me. Come on, we're in Christ. Christ is in us. Could you lift your hand? Let's just pray this morning. Father, as we worship you today, I trust your spirit. Thank you, Lord, to speak the words of Jesus to your precious people, sons and daughters at Expression Church and others who are in visiting with us today. May we focus on the name that speaks of him who is our friend, our shepherd, our bishop. Speaks of him who is your lion, your lamb. May we hear in our heart of hearts this morning, every one of us, no matter where we are in our walk with you, may we hear, follow me, follow me, follow me. Come on, we're not counting hits today, but I just feel in my spirit, there's a fresh wind of commissioning here. So as Stephanie leads us, can you receive the breath of Holy Ghost again as we sing and worship?
We're going to focus on Him. That's the way to do this thing, isn't it? Come on, Steph. Let's just worship right now. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord What is it that you're called to be? Too often we think only people called into ministry are preachers. But did you know that God has called you to influence your world? Whether you're a teacher, a mom, a businessman, a doctor, you're called to bring who God is into your sphere of influence. I want to invite you to visit at Expression Church of Huntington. Our passion is to teach others how to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. with Sunday school starting at 9.30 for all ages. We also have our midweek service called The Mid, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our temporary sanctuary is located at 5185 U.S. Route 60 East in Huntington at the East Hills Professional Center off of the 29th Street exit. We will soon be moving to our permanent property at Commerce Park in Huntington. I'm Stephanie Scragg, and I am Expression.